Everyone desires to know what their future holds and what they can do to help affect it. Well, Kevin Kelly released a book called The Inevitable, Understanding the 12 Technological Forces and How They Will Shape Our Future. Today, Alex Agoric joins me. Alex reads 50 to 100 books a year, so you know he's got a good filter on what things are important and what are not when people are talking about it. This book, written in 2017, is our topic of discussion for today. We'll talk about what all of the trends are that you should expect in the next 30 years and what we find important out of them, and hopefully we'll be able to give you a couple tips on how to prepare for these next few decades. How's it going? Doing well, Alex. We were just introducing you and talking a little bit about the annual goal that you set for yourself of learning and how much I really like and how uncommon it is for people to set these kind of goals of reading. I didn't want to say the wrong number of books. Can you update us on how your progress is going with that annual goal? Uh, I believe, um, because I don't don't normally check it. I just kind of, I read them and then every, every couple days I update it. Um, but I believe it's in the high 30s, 37 or something like that. Okay, and that's out of? Out of my goal of 100. Goal of 100. Love it. And do you typically have a backlog of books that you're going through and always picking new things? Or what's your typical process for finding a new book to add to that? Uh, yeah, usually, usually I have people that recommend books to me. Um, I just checked the number. It is 37. Um, and usually I have people that recommend books to me. Um, and then if I don't have any more recommendations all the way through, <laughs> I was loud. Um, if I don't have recommendations, um, I'll usually just search for them on Audible or search for them on Amazon. Or I'll just go to the local Barnes & Noble or local bookstore and just kind of see if there's anything specific sections like psychology or, or self-help or business or finance or marketing or anything like that. Um, and I'll just kind of see what stands out. Yeah, for me, for me, it's been very recently of, uh, especially here in Seattle, there are so many bookstores and cafes around that I'll Mm -hmm. just, uh, I'll just be walking down the street and I'll see a bookstore and I just have this, I can't resist the urge once I see it. So I'll just go in. Usually I'll go towards the thing as you self-help or business section and books are so cheap. It's, it's hard not to buy them, especially after seeing the cover seeing the data was written to the author and then being like what this guy has to say. Yeah. Yeah. And when I, even when I was in Denver, I was there three days and I went to two different bookstores. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's the same kind of thing. I get it. I get it. I'm trying to remember how you actually heard about reading the inevitable and how he connected on it. Was it that I had recommended it to you or was it just that it was on your list and we, that was just a shared thing? That yeah. We had? No, you had a, you had recommended it to me uh, when we met up right before you went to Seattle actually right before you cool. Went. cool for everybody else that isn't aware inevitable was written by Kevin Kelly in 2017 and it has 12 inevitable forces that are coming in technology they're going to be shaping the next 30 years just to go down that list real quick it's becoming cognifying flowing screening accessing sharing filtering remixing interacting questioning and beginning so before we go into the individual uh, forces, what was your overall impression of the book as a whole? Did you like it? 
Uh, dude, I absolutely loved it. And I've told countless people about the book. I've, I've given examples from the book and I, and I, I, I've told so many different people about like the future that everyone's eyes light up whenever, whenever they're like, holy shit. And like, they feel like they need to read it. Right. It's like, I can just grab one of the things I do is I like to just grab a word off. If I'm introducing the book, one of those forces, and then I'll just be like, just like screening, you can see every single restaurant table is putting a screen on it and yeah, yeah, all yeah. McDonald's people with screens. And then they're just like, Oh yeah, I have seen that trend and I can see how it expands. And it's, it's nice that all these trends are so obvious and that they're already here that I can take examples from real life and then to expand it to be like, okay, this is where we're at. But if you combine it with a couple of the other forces, you'll see where it's headed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, going into that with you, what were, if you have one or a couple of the, the forces that really stuck out with you, I can read the list again if you forget, but what were some of the forces for you that kind of stuck out as being important or what you're focusing on? Well, really, really quickly. I just want to, I just want to say that uh, I love the example he gave, the author gave about uh, comparing uh, .com domains to 30 years ago, basically saying, you know, back then no one really knew what it was. And, you know, even big companies were kind of ignorant of it. And then in the future, it's going to be the same way. They're going to be like, Oh, those people back in, you know, 2018 or 2017, they didn't know anything. And I just, I, I, it like humbles me to think that we know nothing compared to what someone born right now and will turn 30, you know, 30 years from now, will will experience the kind of life that they'll be, you know, creating startups in. Uh, it's kind of cool, kind of crazy. Uh, and so my, my favorite one, honestly, is screening. Uh, that one and accessing. I think accessing and screening are, are the top two for me. Cool. I'm, I'm actually, I was going to bring up accessing a little bit in conjunction with sharing. Is, is your reason for picking accessing, I'm really curious about this, is it based off of thinking of the cloud and how people access information? Or is it interesting to you because the thought of like the sharing economy? Or is it a, like, can you expand a little bit with what interests you about the sharing? Uh, accessing, yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah, exactly. They're all, they feel similar, but they are actually different, which is cool. Um, and so in my opinion, accessing is one of those cool things where it can even be expanded to, to physical things like Airbnb is done to hotels, like Uber's done to taxis. And a buddy of mine and I were just talking and I, and I think this example is from the book of like computers. Like think about if you want to own a high end gaming computer right now, it's going to run you anywhere from two to $3,000, right? Two to 3,000 is not a lot. But if you think if you buy the top of the line, everything for $3,000 peripherals and all, um, that'll probably last you like three to five years, let's say five years, right? Before you need to really start replacing some of those pieces because they're seriously outdated. Um, So if you can amortize that $3,000 over that 60 month time period, that's about 50 bucks a month. So if you had a gaming company that rented out high end technology for 50 bucks a month or 70 bucks a month or whatever, that's a lot more affordable than just all of a sudden dropping $3,000, which means the average consumer not only gets a high quality computer for a decent rate, but that also means they continuously get upgrades because they're now part of this uh, subscription service where they don't necessarily own the computer, but they don't necessarily don't own the computer. So they're like accessing the rights to use the computer, right? Kind of like how Photoshop, you don't even own Photoshop anymore. Photoshop is like a service that downloads to your computer and you are paying 10 bucks a month just to even open the program, right? It's such an ethereal, like ephemeral things. 
I like I how just, you brought the computers. When, when you said computers, I thought you were going to say cloud computing and how now as a developer, when I want to use someone else's computing resources, instead of having to actually own my own servers, I can use someone's faraway computer and just access that. Correct. But you're which, is, which is a really computer. obvious way that's currently being implemented. Really right. right. I went really obvious and you went a level higher to like, nobody's doing this yet. People are, I'm looking around and I see plenty of bike sharing stations where people are doing a similar concept. They're not owning that bike, but they're accessing it. Mm -hmm. Nobody's doing it with computers yet. And gaming computers are such a big industry right now, especially with the esports that continues to grow in popularity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I'm right behind you with that. Right. Because if you think about, um, man, I'm trying to to think of an example. Um, I think it was actually in one of the chapters, the guy gave an example of like, how you own a piece of like an apartment building and you essentially don't necessarily own anything. It's just all accessing. Uh, and uh, like the dad was like, do you feel like you're, 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 you don't feel like you're a man or something like that because you don't own anything. He's like, actually, I feel very free. I feel very connected to the earth because everything is disposed of when it needs to be disposed of. And I don't need to own anything and have it sit around and collect dust. Like it, if I need a toaster because I need to make some toast, I just get one in 30 minutes and then I put it back in the box and it goes away. Like I don't need to own a toaster. I just need to access real quickly and put it back in the box. And it's just that sort of future of like, let me quickly access the service when I need it, physical or software is absolutely amazing. Kevin's ability to take the concepts that he was talking about and then to paint that what a reality looks like, listening to accessing and some of the other stories, yeah, where the kid's just like, Whenever I need something, the box has it. The box has it. And whenever the box takes it away, that thought was just so, honestly, what it reminded me of was uh, if you've ever read the book or seen the movie Ready Player One, just uh, that. I have not, but I've heard it's excellent. It's excellent. Yeah, you, you got to check it out because re- it takes place in Columbus, Ohio, a couple years in the future. But it reminded me of that futuristic style. And that kind of stuff actually really excites me. And I'm thinking, huh, right now, how are we doing that? Well, we've got these subscription boxes where people can pick out their outfit, wear it for a day, and then send it back. That box concept is already here kind of in subscription box Mm -hmm. form. Mm -hmm. Just needs like a couple more additions or tweaks for it to really turn into this really societal changing movement that Kevin Kelly paints in the example in the back of that book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One of the things that the biggest uh, force that really stuck out to me because I am really involved and interested in the IoT space was in the cognifying section oh, yes. where he says some of the biggest brands that are going to be coming out in the next 15, 20 years are just are going to be existing companies with AI. So one of the things that I'm targeting are gardening with AI or there was for Airbnb hotels with AI, just the ability to take any service that currently exists and then to integrate some form of artificial intelligence in there. I don't think that enough. I don't think that people have really realized the ramifications of that. And I don't think that people uh, see themselves as being able to be these massive players in AI. So what I wanted to ask you, cognifying, for the majority of people, uh, they're going to be interacting with these systems that are becoming cognified, right? Mm -hmm. They're not going to be creating them because a lot of AI systems really take uh, large amounts of technical knowledge. So for people who are interacting with these cognified systems, do you think it's going to make their lives easier or do you think it's going to raise the bar for what people are going to be required to know i feel like at first it'll be the latter and it'll eventually turn into the former 
uh, where at first the things that it improves upon is the very marginal top where only if you really know a lot and only if you are already at the top of your game or at like the edges of reality, do you get to experience the benefits. But eventually the user experience is, become, is going to become so intuitive that it feels like opening a door, right? Like nowadays, uh, if you've watched like, a, or rather decades ago, if you watched uh, like a, a show like Star Trek, there's the futuristic automatic sliding door, right? And just it just knows when you walk up to it. I don't know if you know what that about that show, but basically they had people behind the scenes literally lift the door up because they didn't want to invent the technology. They're like, ah, frig it, we'll just, uh, we'll just manually do it to make it look like it's automatic. And then you know, <laughs> years later, automatic doors are a thing at every single supermarket, you know, retail store. Automatic doors are like a thing, and so it's just so intuitive that people don't even know that AI and sensors and stuff like that is interacting with them. Right. Because if you, you can imagine like a robot is like a humanoid walking thing or maybe a robot is a bunch of miniature cameras all throughout every hallway in every building. And it just it literally senses your movement and your heat pattern and like your speech and all sorts of stuff. And it can just detect what you're going to do before you even do it. And so as soon as you go to reach for your door handle, it automatically starts the car or something because it knows you're you're going to get in the vehicle or something like that. Uh, I wasn't even thinking of... on... sorry, go ahead. Bringing that part up, but the the idea that you become your own password or that uh, the, your identity is defined by you as a person. I was I really like that concept and I think it's gonna become more and more prevalent in society. And one of the ways I think it's here now that I don't think anybody even realizes that this feature is available, but in Google Assistant and in Amazon Alexa, voice recognition. Because right now, the, the reason I say that is right now when people want to interact with technology, they go onto their phone or they go onto a computer, they type in a password, and then they're able to access the internet and they're able to access other things. Mm -hmm. So the Google Home, just by speaking, Google's able to instantly say, okay, this person has this voice pattern, he is Patrick, or he's his sister Rachel, mm -hmm. and then is able to change the voice from male to female voice to only access my Spotify account and my calendar, and then to do all of that just from hearing my voice. And that is like the first step to me, really having your identity be your passcode to everything. Absolutely. And when, when everything starts to become cognified and AI starts to become added to everything, it just, it just blends together in such a way that uh, it, just, it just works. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like the initial question is, do you think you would have to be super smart to use it or benefit from it? And I think initially, yeah, but eventually, no it'll just it'll just blend right in with the society and become a user experience uh marketing point for big companies that do it well last question i've got for you Go ahead. uh kind of talking about the people's thoughts of how much machines are going to be involved in their lives in the future hold this quote out because it really spoke to me and i just want your your initial thoughts on it mm -hmm. so the quote from kevin kelly this is not a race against the machines if we race against them, we lose. This is a race with the machines. You will be paid in the future based on how well you work with robots. 90% of your coworkers will be unseen machines, end quote. So my, th my question to you is what, what do you think of that? Because people, uh, I don't, I think that a lot of people right now have a fear of computers and a lot of people make decisions and justify their careers not behind computers saying, 
I don't want to sit behind a computer all day. I want to be out in the real world. And this, uh, Kevin's quote, makes it sound like people don't really have a choice. If they want to succeed, they're going to need to learn computers. And they're actually going to be rewarded based off of how well they do that. So do you mm-hmm. agree? Do you disagree? Do you think that there's something that Kevin's not considering? I think it will be um, similar to what you might see in um, like Minority Report or like uh, one of those like futuristic style Mission Impossible movies or uh, like an Iron Man where he's like waving around his hands and he's getting all creative. I'm not saying that sort of technology is anytime soon, but eventually the computer quote unquote that we think about now will go away just like the computer from 30 years ago was a giant IBM room sized block. You know, when people said, we are going to have a computer in your room, everyone's like at your house and everyone's like, yeah, okay, I'm not going to have that giant ass thing. And nowadays everyone's like, you're going to have a computer in your pocket. And they're like, no, I'm not. And it's like your computer in a car. And then like a computer in eventually you might have like contacts that have like a tiny little computer chip in your contact lenses. And so it's not necessarily like sitting behind a computer but more like networking with a network of computers and how well, to uh, his point, how well you interact with all of those computers and how well you make use of them as a part of your technological efficiency definitely is the future. I agree 100%. I'm so glad that you went and read The Inevitable because you're the first person I've gotten to talk to about the concepts in depth. So thank you for that and thank you for bringing your experiences, and all of that creativity and curiosity onto the show. And I know that we'll talk more in the future. Thank you, and have a great day, man. Hey, man, you as well. Later.